If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 1. And I want to share something from my heart this morning that happened as a result of our worship time today. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing has, was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9 says, A true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was the light of the world, in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born children born not of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Immediately when you start reading this, our mind goes back to Genesis 1, where in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And John right away lets us know that the Word was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. It wasn't created, He was there. And the Word was with God. So we have Jesus with the Father, and the Word was God. We have the Trinity starting to be formed in thought. Because if you look at the Old Testament, the Trinity is a very hard thing to gather. It's a very hard thing to, to comprehend. And a lot of times people will say, you know, the Trinity isn't even biblical because it's not in the Bible. Well, Trinity is not in the Bible, no. But you begin to see the elements of it. And it started off in Daniel where the Ancient of Days is there. And all of a sudden there's one. And the Ancient of Days, which we would understand as God the Father, is there. And he sees these thrones And the thrones are there, and the Son of Man is coming on the clouds. And remember, only the gods, according to antiquity thought, only the gods rode in the clouds. And that's why when Jesus, later on at his trial, he says, next time you'll see me, I'll be riding in the clouds, and immediately they want to kill him. Because what? You're saying you're God? No way. So the Son of Man is coming down in the clouds, and he had the ability to rule the nations. And the Bible says that the nations worshipped him. Well, wait a minute. Why would God allow this son of man who's riding in the clouds to be worshipped? Doesn't worship go to God alone? So you start to see in the Old Testament this, this picture, this idea. And then once Jesus came and the Jews rejected him as Messiah, they immediately said, we're not going to talk about the, the, two, the two powers that be, the, the, the invisible God and the visible God. Because that's what they were kind of understanding, that the Son of God, and you saw this all throughout the Old Testament with the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord who was referred to and spoken to as God, and yet looked like a man, and yet they, it was all throughout the Old Testament, people worshipped the angel of the Lord, bowed down to the angel of the Lord, but then after Jesus, the Jew says, no, we're just going to get rid of that because we don't want to fall into anything that recognizes Jesus. 
So the ideal of the Trinity was being birthed, and I don't think it was from Genesis 1, but I think it's all throughout peppered in Scripture you begin to see God showing up. And He's becoming visible. Because we know according to Scripture that no one has ever seen the face of God. No one has ever seen the face of God and has lived. So, so now the visible God shows up. And this is what John is talking about. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning and through Him all things were made. So Jesus is there at creation. Jesus is a part of it. He's there establishing the creative work. And it says the true light was given in verse 9. The true light was given to everyone who was coming into the world. He was the light. He was the one in the world, though the world did not recognize him. You see, people do not recognize who really is in control. They think they're in control. People who are lost think they're in control. They think they're the ones running their life. They're the ones calling the shots. They're the one who holds fate in their hands. But they don't realize that there is a God of this world, lower G, who has blinded them from the truth. And he thinks that, hey, this is the life that you have. He keeps, the enemy keeps telling them, oh, you only got one life to live. You might as well live it up. Enjoy it because this is it. This is it. And they're blinded from the truth. And what is the truth? That Jesus is the one who established this place. That God the Father and His Son and the Holy Spirit were there at the beginning. And that's when you see where the God, God spoke it into being. We know that Jesus is there because of John and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. The Holy, all the Trinity was there working in creation. He's truly in control. But right now, he's allowing the fallen angel that we would refer to as Satan run the show down here. And that's why when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan says, listen, I will give you all of these kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. Jesus did not correct him and saying, well, wait a minute, Satan, you're off because, you know, these, these kingdoms right now are under our rule right now. No, they were under his. Why? Because of the fall and because of sin and because of what we gave up in the garden. So here Jesus is there. He's the true light that comes in the world and they'll, the world did not recognize him. We live in a time where people do not recognize God. They do not recognize who he is. They do not recognize what he can do and what he wants to do for those who turn to him. You know, I was just reading in, in um, Chronicles that if, if my people will humble themselves and pray that he would heal their land, God will move in such a mighty way if we just turn to him. People are so scared about the economy, so scared about supplies, so scared. Remember just a few, you know, you know I heard these rumors about people like to toilet paper the high school you know, during homecoming week. Just remember a couple years ago, everyone was running to the high school trying to get the toilet paper because we <laughs> couldn't find none. I mean, we live in a scary time and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we do know this, that God is on our side, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that even though this world may go to hell in a handbasket, we are still in the refuge and the safety and the, the love of our Father. But people don't know that. They don't know the power of God. They don't know how God can show up and change the story. They did not recognize him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, what is it about the name of Jesus? What is it about the name of Jesus? As I was studying 
New Age, and I, I might have shared this story before, but as I was studying the New Age, there was this man who was getting into astral planning. He was getting an astral projection, basically out-of-body experiences. And he was raised as a Baptist and, and he as a kid, but he walked away from that early on. And, and, um, and he was getting into all these different types of rituals that would have these out-of-body experiences. And, and, um, and he got to the point where he was getting good at it. Where he could literally, this is his testimony, leave his body, witness a conversation that people are having, and then understand what they're having it, and then tell them what they were talking about. And to him, this was one of the coolest things ever because he is able to do things that he can't normally do. What he did not realize was it was the demonic enemies that were giving him information and telling him things to make him look like he was doing these things. This is all just demonic. It's Satanism. It's Luciferianism. And so he got to the point where he was getting real good at it, but finally... One day, as he was in this neighborhood going towards the light, going towards this light, he looked around and he saw all these monsters around. But they were, they were ugly, but they weren't scary, he said. They were just, just monstrous, but they weren't scary. And as he's going towards the light, one of them says, if you ever need help, let me know. I can guide you to the light. And he said, no, thank you. No, thank you. And immediately, he was caught out of that experience and in the apartment that he was living, along with another couple, they were sharing, there was a two-bedroom apartment, and so they had two families in there. And there was a total of five people, him, his wife, his daughter, and the other couple that was living. And immediately, as soon as he rejected the help, all of a sudden, just the demons just started flying through that apartment. Books were flying off the shelves. Things were They all were so scared, and they were just under this demonic attack. Why? Because he rejected the help of this monster. And he says that it was going so crazy. Everyone huddled together in the room and they were screaming. Everyone knew something was wrong and they could literally feel the, the forces of the enemy just going through there, terrorizing them, torturing them. And finally, as a kid, he remembered the name of Jesus and he just yells out, Jesus! And he said immediately, they left. And then he turned his life over to the Lord, gave his heart to Jesus. And everyone there did as well. That's the power of a name. The name where demons tremble at. The name that is above all names. You see, when Jesus was casting demons out, he would go to places in the land of Israel and they would say, what do you want with me? I know you are the Son of God. What do you want with me? And he would cast them out. But remember when he went to the Gentile area and he goes with the pigs and Jesus is going there and, and uh, these demons, Legion is there and who are you, Legion, we are many. And they said, please, cast us into the pigs. Remember that? Do you remember how, the, the, how, it, how they addressed Jesus? They said this, that you are the son of the most high. You see, in the land of Judah, in the land of Israel, they knew that this was God's land. They knew that Yahweh was over the land, that these were God's people. And so they recognized him as the son of God. But he, when he went to the Gentile land that was under, not under the watch of Yahweh, and this is what they believed, that these, this land was inhabited by other gods, when he went there, they recognized that you are the most high. 
You see, the name of Jesus is the Most High. The name of Jesus is above every single thing that you face. The name of Jesus is above every problem, situation, and and thing you could ever go through. And sometimes we forget the power of the name of Jesus. Sometimes we forget the simplicity of the name of Jesus because with that name, with that name comes authority, power, strength. Buzz is helping out at the uh, school and he's got the, the crossing guard. And you know, he's there. And I, I know Buzz, I love Buzz. But every time Buzz comes out with that flag, I got to slam on my brakes. I got to slam on my brakes. Why? Because Buzz is there with that flag. It's just a piece of vinyl. But the authority behind that flag says, if you run, if you go through, the cops are going to get you. And I know what happens because I've seen cops. They're going to get you. You see, because that flag has authority. I mean, it's, anyone can go buy a yellow vest and anyone can go buy a flag, but when you are working for the school, that flag has authority. Sometimes we forget the authority that comes with the name of Jesus. So when we face situations that we don't like, don't do it with your name, do it with his name. He's the son of God, the son of the most high. He has the name above all names. And yet to him who did receive him, who believed in his name, this is what I love. He gave the right to become children of God. Born of God. That we have become adopted into the family. This is the restoration of Genesis 11 the, where the nations were spread out and confused and could not talk to each other. Now God is bringing them back because Jesus is bringing them back and we are now a part of the family of God. You are a son and a daughter of God. That carries some weight to it. That carries some meaning to it. And the one person that does not want you to figure this out is your enemy. But you have the authority and the power and the right to be children of God. That comes with privileges. That comes with special privileges. And that's what I love about being a part of God's family. Because this world may tell me I'm nothing. This world may tell me that you're nothing and you're just a little church and you're just this and that. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Just like I tell my kids whenever they're having bad, bad times and hard moments, I said, keep, keep your head up. Keep your head up. You're a child of Pedro and Cheryl. Keep your head up. And then they put their head down again. <laughs> I said, keep your head up. No, because we're proud of them. But more importantly, we always tell them, you're a child of the king. Walk with that authority. Walk with that power. Walk with that understanding. Listen, this world is, can throw all it wants at us, but it cannot change the fact that we are part of his family. And do you know what? Can I let you into a little secret? He loves his family. He does. He loves you. He loves you. And that's why he says, if you just believe in my name and who I am, you will have the right to become children of God. And then I want to close with just this final thought. And the word, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This idea goes back to when the Jewish people would celebrate the 
the festival where they would go out in tents, the festival of tabernacles. And they would go out for a week and they would go to this remote place and they would set up these tents because they, they would remember that God was the one who brought them out of Egypt. God was the one who led them and they had to live in these tents for a while. But God was the one who did it. And John is giving us pictures to go back to this moment. And he says that the word became flesh and made his tent among us. He made his dwelling among us. I want you to know this, no matter where you are, God makes his dwelling among you. That God is with you. That God is not far. He's not off some 9.3 billion light years away. He is here with you and he establishes his presence with you. He wants to dwell with you. I love that. We as a family believe that Jesus is coming to our house. We do. Because his presence is going to dwell there. Every time we wake up, we pour the blood of Jesus over our house and we say, we want you to come and dwell with us. Tabernacle with us. Hang with us. When we come to church, what do we want? We want his presence to be here with us. We want him to dwell with us. When you're suffering or when you're at work or at school and things aren't going your way, you just take a moment and say, wait a minute. Jesus set his tent with me. He's with me. And you know what that means? That the Most High is with you. That the name above all names is with you. That your brother is with you. He is with you. So I encourage you this morning. I just want you to know that your Savior, the one who came, gave you the right to be a part of the family, and he dwells with you, no matter where you're at. Amen.